As always, today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities, makers of reliable, all-American steel fire training structures built the way you train. Fire Facilities towers, burn rooms, and mobile units help you prepare to respond and survive. Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Now, tonight's guest is somebody you're going to remember from season one. It's Devin Craig. So Devin is a 20 plus year veteran of the fire service, and he has been with the department north of Houston, Texas since 2003 and an officer there since 2007. He has spent seven years as a lead fire instructor at the largest fire academy in the nation. He is a proud member of the Georgia Smoke Diver Association. He is also the co-owner of Train or Die Fire Service Training. So with that, Devin Craig. Um, and then that's that's the group. And there's the page where um, the rants are written uh, and some stuff. But we're actually doing classes um, and that's got <laughs> about 10,000 people following it now. So same deal. Wow. We don't we didn't mean that on purpose. So what do you th- what do you think it was that that drew all these firefighters so quickly to to this particular page and to this particular group? I think there's a there's a big group and it's that was outside training um, or at conferences. And very similar to the fools uh, where, hey, um, I'm by myself. Wait a minute. This. Oh, I, I agree with that. Oh, OK. Wait a minute. There's other people like me. Um, and it, I think it spread that way. It's amazing the one of the posts that we did was about don't be an asshole. And that got like a million likes and, a, and hundreds of shares. We're like what? And it was it was just a thought a guy had. And, and we happened to document it. And there it goes. So. So have you had any trouble with people from your department looking at it and thinking you were talking about them? No, no, we, no, we've been really good. Um, there's, there's four guys that have the ability to write in it. Um, and they, uh, they all work in different places. So nobody works in the same one. Um, you, and you rarely, we, we try to make it to where you don't know it's us, um, in that thing, one for anonymity for each guy. And two, because, Nothing in there is directed at one particular person. Um, if anybody that travels will tell you that every fire department has the same three or four dudes in it, mm-hmm. they the same three, three or four shifts, the same problems, just on different levels. Um, and you can get that together and go, oh, well, that's the same thing. So you'll see that in the post. We we don't get in there and, and talk about, hey, uh, smoothbore nozzles versus fog nozzles. No, that's not. That's that's arguments to have one on one with people, and a lot of things you start to learn or, or just, just based on what your department runs. You may, you may mask up on the truck. That's what you do. This is why you do it. And you're not going to change it. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Let's not worry about that then. Um, so we try to keep it to where, Hey, look, this is just mental thoughts of, Hey, you're, you feeling crappy today. How do you feel better? Uh, how do you, how do you get through the guys that are complaining? How do you do those things? And most of the stuff is organically written um, in pretty close time to when it's posted. So. We try not to, we're trying not to write, you know, war and peace with these things. We just want to have a good thought that people agree with. Like, don't be an asshole. Like, don't be an asshole. I mean, it worked <laughs> out, you know, it's, it's pretty comical for sure. I, what, what's funny to me is I've been a mutt and I've been uh, so pro training. It's not even funny. Oh, yeah. So for me, I feel like I've got a unique perspective, right? It's just like when my kids were teenagers and they would tell me stuff, they would tell me how the world works. And I'm like, look, I, I've been your age. You haven't been mine. I know what I'm talking about. So I kind of feel like I got a pretty good experience there to, to make comments. 
And I, it just, I, but the one thing I can't wrap my head around is why a firefighter would not want to be the absolute best they can be. Why, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and from a guy who had a part-time fire department job that I slept in a recliner, that's what I did because mm-hmm. I think in your mind and the fire service is bad about this. So there's no, we have the firefighter combat challenge, but when a house burns down, there's nobody going to grade it and go, wow, y'all were terrible. No, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you did the best you could do. Mm-hmm. Did you? So from most guys, they're coasting, and that's been working out great. So I'm fine. So a, a very good dude I know pointed something out to me the other day. He was proofreading some stuff that had been written. He's proofreading some paperwork. And he said, people don't understand. You don't become a better writer just by getting older. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's a good point. I didn't. <laughs> so the same thing with the fire service. You don't become a better fireman by being there. You do. You make runs and whatnot. But just existing in the fire station doesn't mean you really got any better. Experience um, and seniority are two different animals. Very much. Very much. You know that old thing of are you doing twenty years one year at a time, or did you do twenty years over and over again, or whatnot? So yeah, and, it, and for me, it was. I mean, I grew up in a fire service. So when I when I got to fire academy, I'd already been running around fire trucks for ten years. So mm-hmm. when I, when I when I got promoted and then when I worked, I was I was probably a full time fireman for seven or eight years, and then I ended up thousand miles away and was like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is not yeah. And most people don't get that advantage that I had to get taken out of their bubble and and woken up. So right, I just I, it's beyond me that you know you. Any any firefighter, anybody that is, uh, well, let me just say this. I forget who posted this, but it was minimum standards means minimum results, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you want that? Well, any mm-hmm. firefighter will tell you, God forbid, their house, their family's trapped, whatever. They're going to want the best firefighters to show up. My question is, do you do the same for other families, right? Yeah. My yeah. biggest gripe right now is I cannot stand. And I get, I'm like, I'm sure you do the same thing because, you travel because you have a presence online. People send you stuff, send you stories or, or whatever. And it just, some, somebody will drive you nuts. But I can't understand for the life of me why people uh, will. My train just left out of the station. I've got to apologize. The hell was I talking about? I'm getting old, Devin. I'm getting old. Um, but I can't for the life of me understand why people don't want to be better and, and, and realize that they're not there to hold down recliners. Right. That they have a responsibility greater than than we can imagine. And like I said, I've been that guy where I just sit on the I'm like, ah, man, I got the city today, boy, 24 hours. I just did. I didn't turn a wheel, you know, but our job is complicated. It's dynamic. And it's probably, in my opinion, the most important job there is. And to go to work and to leave work and not to be a better firefighter those 24, 48 hours later, I, it just, I can't understand it. I just, I, I, I don't have the capacity to process that. So I'm sure you run into that as well. Absolutely. And I think most of it, again, if you look at it, the, the chances of you making the worst fire possible. So let's, for me, it's a two story house with dad outside screaming uh, and mom's in a house with two kids. Um, and it's three o'clock in the morning and half my staff is off on a swap and I get different guys and, and, it's going to be terrible. Um, and the chances of me making that are actually very, very slim. doesn't mean I won't make it two days from now when I go to work, but the chances of us making those things are, are slim. And 
to have to operate at such a high level doesn't happen that often. Most of the time. So even my department, you know, 6% of our runs are EMS. Even though 60% of those runs, you know, 55% are blood pressures and wait for the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing with, with fire calls. You know, most fires, uh, if you're not the first in or second or third in, you're probably not going to be put to your extreme levels of things. So for most people, they can coast. And then when the bad one happens, they'll come up with, oh, it was dark or my lieutenant was off or it rained or whatever mm-hmm. nonsense they want to make up. And, and they get through it. You know, in the fire service, we don't demote people very often. So nobody, nobody right. lets you go to a fire and comes back and grades you and goes, well, you got a 42. <laughs> so we're going to go find somebody better. No, it doesn't happen. They go, oh, well, you know, things happen and, and they get through it. So unless you're my, my biggest fear, especially because of where I live, I, I live two minutes from one of our stations. That means that crew has to be the best there is because I'm gone. So right. and, and going as far away as I am, like, hey, in my house, it's kind of a pain with some of the stuff the way it's set up. So we love to teach VES, but we'll go places and they'll be like, you're going to teach VES? Uh, we'll start with some other stuff first and see if we get to that. And sometimes that means the hardest part of VES is getting your big ass in the window. And, <laughs> yeah. if, and if you walk up and go, man, uh, you know, you, you said you're going to do everything for the little kid that's dying, but you won't push away from the the kitchen table, you won't work out. You won't, you know, these are the things. Right. And then, and then everybody, everybody wants to be a badass when it's on fire. But when grandma calls at three o'clock in the morning, cause she fell out the bed. Oh God, I got to get up and it's going to smell bad. Come on, man. Grandma's been laying there for eight hours. Your job is to help her do yep. your job. And <sighs> when I had that mini stroke a couple seconds ago and I kind of forgot, I remember now again, Devin, you don't need to be as old as me. It's I'm rolling double nickels. I'm 55. Brain's going. Luckily, I'm still handsome. But uh, what I was going to say was, I, and I hear this a lot, like you, I travel and hear from people and stuff. But I hear where people say, and I can't, God, I can't stand it. When officers or battalion chiefs or whatever say, I do anything for my guys. I make sure they go home every shift. I'm like, okay, first question. Do you make them work out? Well, no. They're t- okay. Second question. Uh, do you make them train? Well, I mean, they, they go through the map, but you know, third, do you make them wear an SCBA during overhaul? Well, I mean, no. So don't, don't give me that shit. Tell me this. Be honest and say, you know what? I will do almost anything to make sure they get home as long as it doesn't complicate my life. That would be a more accurate saying. Okay. So when people say stuff like that, it is just, it's just a waste of time to me. Uh, you and I have probably met those officers, we may have had those officers that truly did that stuff. And they're usually the ones that we get mad at because they make us do our job. They have, they say, okay, this is what you're going to do, but they're trying to keep us safe. Get us home. Man, it goes through me when I hear these people that say, man, I'll do anything for my guys. I'll make sure they get home. I'm like, "Mm, I don't think, no, not from, no, no. Well, remember if the standard is the fire went out and everyone went home, well, that would have happened if you wouldn't have went to the fire. The thing would have burned to the ground and everybody went home. Except yes, for the people that you didn't save because you can't do your job. So yes, I, I was I learned early on. I want to say it was uh, uh, Greg Bear, who a uh, guy came on with in Lexington, said all bleeding stops, all babies are born, and all fires go out. That's I'm good. like, you know what? You're right. You're right. We're just there. We're there to help. We're there to yeah. help. The uh, well, another thing goes through me. Now you got me mad. So I'm gonna go. I got, I got to go rent a dog and kick it or something. I'm in a bad mood now. Uh, is people that count their saves. God, I can't stand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Count the grabs. Count, you know, they, they sit there and they brag on their grabs. Yeah. So 
I was recently in uh, up in Canada and I had a, a young firefighter. He's he's really a great guy, great firefighter, man. He's he's just hungry. And he goes, he asked me, well, how many, how many saves you got? I'm like, no, I don't count those. He's like, why? I'm like, if you count the saves, you got to count the ones you didn't save. Right. So if you count this, most people are like, well, I've had these saves. That means I, I interceded at the perfect time. I did my job perfectly and they're alive today. What about all the other ones that you didn't save? Oh no, they were already gone. They were gone for our left firehouse. I don't think I, to me, it's an ego driven thing, but I explained to him, I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't think that's a, that's, that's an ego driven thing. And we're not here for us. We're here for them. We're not here for anybody in the fire, inside that firehouse. We're not there for that 24, 48 for anybody in there. We're there, we're there for everybody outside of that firehouse. So right. Right. What, what do you think about that? Am I just being picky and old and grumpy? So this is something that we, I talked to my wife about because the only word I can find for it, and I'm, I'm not very good at that, is, is helpfulness. And mm-hmm. if, we, if we encourage firemen to be helpful on all accounts, this turns into when they're going to a class and they're coming back and they see somebody with a flat, they pull over and stop. They're helping people. Mm-hmm. When grandma's trying to get across the road and they're in the pumper, they stop, help her get across the road. They do these things so that when they, when they make runs, they learn that maybe when you go inside the terrible house that the guy's a diabetic and has one leg and you go there all the time, maybe you take the piss bucket and you pour it in the toilet. Maybe you help that guy. Or you be a professional guy and oh, I'm only here for this. I don't need to deal with this crap or whatever. If you instill in them helpfulness, and our job is actually really easy. We do everything the cops do except the rest people. So we help everybody. Doesn't matter who. We don't, when 911 gets called, we don't look to see if it's these people on this street or those people on that street or what anything else is demographic about them. We go, we go, figure out what the problem is, and we help them the best we can. So that, that instills in them things like moving furniture to get the stretcher into the house and then putting the furniture back. Mm-hmm. And these kind of things then will end up with this great thing of just spreading this fire service where we're helping people. And we don't need any, they just need to know the fire department showed up and everything got better. Good. Versus, oh, well, we, you know, we can do this and we can break windows and we can cut holes and do all these fun things and then not care later. I'm all for cutting holes, but we're going to cover it up and we're done and make this better for the people. And and I think if we keep promoting that and instill that even in our children and and the little kids and, and the young guys when we're growing up, I think we'll get it better overall as a fire service and as everything else too. But oh, absolutely. You're, I mean, you're, you're talking about uh Brunacini's book from a million years ago called customer service, where he tells a story where uh, an ambulance makes a car wreck. And I hope I'm getting this right, but the gist of it is ambulance car wreck guys missing this flight. And they like, they rescheduled his flight for him through, and this is before the internet took his uh, luggage, took him to the airport. I mean, they, they went that extra mile because you say fire service. What's that second word? It's service. You know, we're there to serve and we're not there for our egos. You know, this isn't a house fire, so I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, I'll I'll just take information. You you know, you do CPR. It it, it goes all through me. We, We just have a responsibility higher than we can imagine. And everybody outside of the firehouse they drive, they have their day in their night and they don't even think about fires or car wrecks because in their mind, they know whatever goes wrong, we're going to be there. Yes. Right. Yes. So we, we need to be at the level that they expect us to be. And I don't think we are. And it, it falls back on training. And I know we share a lot of the same views on training. I, to me, our main job is training. 
the side effect is going to fires and making calls. Right. And you see this. And this is this was the thing I see you was you see this now where, hey, the kids come in and of course, you know, they're not all 18. Some are older. And, and then we're going to they're going to do 15 gear drills or they're going to catch the plug or they're going to pull the line. OK, cool. When was the last time you did that? Uh, and and hey, this kid's getting he's pretty decent at his stuff. What are you doing for your stuff? Are you getting better at the MDT? Are you getting better at, Hey, there's a new EMS protocol out there. Hey, there's these new things that are going on. And just because you were here a decade doesn't mean, you know, everything going on right now, things have changed. Things are getting better. Um, We use that. We had a guy that he complained the rookie didn't know where the Crescent wrench was. He didn't know what a Crescent wrench was. Okay, cool. You teach him. I did. I did. All right. You just made a run. Did you use the Crescent wrench? No. Yeah, but you use your MDT. Do you know how to use that? Ah, well, you know, I don't really mess with it. This is, there's two levels of this and you have to, you have to keep growing. And I think in the fire service, we like to get to a steady space where we think we have tenure and and everything's fine. And, oh, it'll be fine. I just make it through the 48 hours or 24 hours. And if something happens, you know, whatever. It was raining. Right. It was dark. I love that. It was was dark outside. Really? It was dark. it, it it just it, it it I just don't get it I don't get it but in our travels I'm sure you have too that we, we meet those ones that are amazing that do exactly that stuff that makes you feel bad like shit I thought I was on top of that but this guy's you know incredible and uh, that guy in Canada was one of those guys we were up there teaching for a week and we were teaching uh, you know firefighter uh, self rescue Rick uh, live fire stuff all the, all these things and you couldn't you couldn't make something hard enough for him he's one of those guys you could say. Uh, shout out to Nate, by the way. Uh, hey, Nate, go run through that mountain. And he's not going to get all the way through it, but he'll get mostly the way through it before all his bones and organs are crushed. But he's that guy. There's no quit in him. They just didn't make any quit in him. So he's he's amazing guy. So I like seeing those guys. It balances out some of those idiots that we get to see in our travels or, or talk to us or, or, or respond to a post that is, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, we, we accidentally did this. Um so with fast rescue when I teach and we teach for train or die, at some point we we build in a spot there where I, I need you to show me something. So hey, we we like to start the conversation off with what's in your pockets, you know, and then these guys will pull out stuff and we'll be like, Oh, what is that? Oh, it's this because we have this. And when we get to learn something new from them, or we go to do a, a firefighter drag and say, This is how we've been teaching this. Have you seen something better? We want to get better stuff. And then you get that constant chase for better not best because if we right. go with the best then that's it we're done we got it no somebody somebody in saginaw michigan might have some better way to do something that we didn't know about because they just thought it was a normal way no oh, wow right. that's great and when the when the one of the first times we did that we asked a kid hey what's in your pockets and he dumps his pockets and he had some rope and i remember asking him i was like why do you have it and he gave a good reason i said oh that's cool and he just looked at me I go, what? He goes, I, I thought you were going to jack with me about it because it was kind of weird. No, no, that works for you. That's cool, man. That's, you, you taught me something. All right, this is great. And the ability to move around and see things has been really, really nice for the training stuff of it and not get stuck in a little bubble. So, No, you're exactly right. And I love what you're talking about because you're, it's more of a, a peer-to-peer learning environment you're making. And I think people are more likely to listen to what you're having to offer and, and learn what you're teaching. Uh, because you've opened up that door and you're, you're not, you know, you're not like above them. Like I'm here to teach you. You're like, Hey man, let's talk. What, you know, what can I learn? What can you, what can you share with me now? What about, so training new guys, 
training old guys. What we talk about, same exact thing, right? I mean, it's exact it information. You deliver it in the exact is. way. You get the exact response. Am I right? It is. It is. And then trying to find what's what's the so we're not going to walk in a class and go, hey, we're going to do we're going to do the Denver drill, which we do the Denver drill in a very rough way because it's one guy in the window. Um, and that was taught to me by George Smoke Diver. Um, and I learned really hard on that the the Smoke Diver program, because you have to be in such good shape, you're you're within range to do some awesome stuff that you usually can't do. It's, it's rare that you're going to get 20 guys that are in, in really, really good shape at a class. You're going to get 5'10", and you're going to get some other guys on the bottom side of that 5'10", too. So trying to figure <laughs> out, hey, look, man, we're not going to send you in the window, but what can you teach us and what's going to be your job? Um, we taught a class at a very small department that had three guys on a fire and they were wanting to learn VES. Okay, cool. We can teach you how to do that. Um, and they're, they were nervous of it. And we're, they're like, we don't have many people. Yeah, you got three. So we're going to figure this out. And that's, that's adapt to it. And it's, you still have to do it. So these things have to happen, whether you have what we have. I mean, I've, I don't even know how you could keep people on a box now. It's probably a hundred feels like, <laughs> but it's, it's, I don't know, probably 30. Um, and trying to adapt to everybody has to do the same job. And the cool thing about the firefighter rescue survey and firefighter close calls and all these things that have started to come out, um, is that people are being saved by firemen and not only in New York city and LA and Houston and whatnot, but they're being saved everywhere and they're dying mm -hmm. everywhere. So how do we find the small town in the middle of Kansas that's going to make one fire this year and people are going to be trapped in it? And how do we get those guys to a level where they can, they can save those people? And try to fix that. Um, and I and a, a good and I have to do a keynote later this year, but I'm going to talk about the fact that even in a 30 minute keynote, how many people in the United States died while I was talking in houses on fire and houses on fire are only 10 to 20 percent of what the calls that we make, depending on where you work. So what mm -hmm. about the other how many people died of cardiac arrest? How many people died in motor vehicle accidents that that we have to be really, really good at? Um, and. They don't, I don't think we realize that sitting in the fire station. No, that's rough. Yeah. I mean, and we're not talking about going crazy, full gear, uh, you know, for the 23 hours you're there, you know, that's, that's not what most of us are talking about. We're just consistency in basics, which I keep, I keep saying basics. I try to catch myself. There are no basics, right? I mean, it's, it's our skill level. And uh, talking about VES and stuff, I mean, that is now an accepted practice through NFPA 1700. They don't call it VES, window-initiated search. But I I've had a lot of conversations in the past few years about how that is an advanced skill. I'm like, <laughs> you're going in a window, closing door, grabbing a person. I, that, I mean, we're not sending a rocket to the moon on this one. It's pretty simple. It's just, you know, and then... People always think that it's a second or third story trick. I'm like, no, no, no. You can do that at any level. No, it actually works great for mobile homes. It's one of the best things you can do for a mobile home, and that typically go. doesn't get paid attention to. But usually in a mobile home, one half's burning, one half's not, go in the window. Great. Yep. Perfect. You know, and, and that's a small town tactic. And it, it gets lost in the abyss of being advanced and whatnot. And what I have noticed is typically the younger the fireman, when I ask them what kind of training they want to do, it's always technical stuff. They want to do cool, flashy things. They want to do rope rescue or they want to do extrication training. But when you say, hey, let's do hose stuff, oh, well, I already do that. And they don't understand yet that just because they've done it once, twice, five, ten times, most things, that's not a skill now. You don't you don't have that built into you. It's not 
It's not repetitive enough. And we need to build on those things. And then we started doing, we've done one so far, we timed a drill. So we set it out that each, each of these four guys were going to do this specific thing. This guy's going to stretch. This guy's going to force a door. This guy's going to do his 360. This guy's going to pump. And we set it up almost like a, like an Olympic deal where these are the parameters. So that's part one with that. for time. Check and back next Monday for part two. Crews. And it was actually really, really great. Um, it was one of our, one of our firemen, uh, one of our lieutenants was a, a college athlete. So he was able to say, look, this is competition breeds excellence. Let's do this. And now we know we were able to go back to our battalion chief and say, hey, on average of our five companies, it takes about three minutes for this to happen. Now That's he knows. Great. And it was, well, we, we made the door really, really hard. And they had to get water <laughs> on the fire. <laughs> so we learned we something the door really, really hard. And, we, and we, we were able to talk about that too. But, it, but think about this. As a chief officer, how long does those things take? When you tell a company, cut a hole, how long does that take? And, and do you have any realm of what that would be? How long does it take to cut a hole in a one-story house versus two-story house? Does each crew do it the same way? Does, do you have crews that you might never get that hole? You know, and, and we tend to, in the fire service, don't really have times for things. Even the NFBA 1410 drills, take those drills and time mm-hmm. them. And then you have, one, you know what, how long it takes, and two, you know what time you need to beat. So now right. we know how we can get better with data versus just, oh, we did it better than B-Shift did or whatever. I think that's an excellent point. Um, for me, uh, I am wanting to do more drills, uh, pulling lines um, to to improve upon that. I think we all could, everybody could improve upon that, but doing them timed because it, it's one of those things where getting to the fire is the main goal, not the little increments that make that up, you know, like good positioning, uh, wearing your gear correctly, uh, doing your 360, pulling the line, uh, also doing transitional hits or, you know, from outside, uh, if you, if that's an opportunity before you moved in. So I think if you look at each separate little increment there, that's, that's your layout of what you need to be doing, right? It's not just like right. go balls out to the fire, right? right? There's a way to get there super fast, really. And if you're not practicing pulling your lines and moving charge lines around pinch points, especially. So for my department, we have basically three people on an engine company. So one of them, is going to be pumping, right? right. The, the, so it's two people moving that line. So they really need to, to communication, obviously, uh, and, and knowing to just how to, you know, bus driver that the hose and corners and stuff. Um, because like the department I'm at right now, very aggressive in a good way. I know aggressive can be a bad word in the fire service, but they're, they're great. Right. But it's one of those things. If you could just fine tune a couple of things, um, with, with all of us. But I think that that's what I, that's, what's on my brain right now. I was like, man, I really wish we could, you know, shave some time off of this. And, um, of course I've had conversations. I've, I've taught places where, uh, they don't do any bunker drills unless you're in uh, an academy. And I'm like, why is that? Well, we're not in the academy. We don't, you know, we, we practice getting on the truck all the time. Do you practice getting on really, really fast <laughs> or do you just walk there? You know? And I, I think it was, Kurt Isaacson's who said when seconds count, we count seconds. Mm -hmm. That broke my brain when I first heard that. So I'm like, how many seconds can you save? Right. So I've had conversations with firefighters and I'm like, I'll talk them through it. And they'll say, yeah, but that's only going to save me about 10 seconds. Yes. But that's 10 seconds for them. Mm -hmm. If you think about a time when somebody dies in a fire, 10 seconds before they die, they're not dead. 
What if you could be there in those 10 seconds? And if you learn that, you'll build that out to 40 seconds or a minute, minute and a half. If again, going back to my little increment, my little stair step, if you work on each one of them and shave seconds off each one of them, dude, I mean, you're, you're giving the, the victim uh, a lottery, a winning lottery ticket. And all it takes is training. Yes. And we, we learned when we did those, one, we should have recorded them. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of did halfway through. We realized we should have done that because then we can go back and then you have the data to show it. And then two, we did the smart move where we, we set out these things I had to accomplish and we did those drills for weeks in advance. So if you're going to do the ventilation drill, okay, for a good two or three days, we're going to do ladders, 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 ladders. Okay, cool. Now we're going to do saws, 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 and then we're going to put this all together in this one big thing. And we also, when we did the officers, they had to give a size up and we used blue card. Um, and they, we gave them a picture. We literally had a fireman standing there with a picture that they saw and he got to look at it for 10 seconds and we put it away. Mm-hmm. And that was again, building in their brain. And we've noticed too now that if we, if I say something, if I say a two story house on fire, your, your imagination of that might be different than mine. Mm-hmm. So trying to take a video and, and show it to a group of firemen, senior to officer to, to new guy, and then ask each one of those guys, what do you, what do you see? Mm-hmm. What are you looking at? And you'll find various differences from guys that have had reading smoke training to guys that haven't to guys that have a lot of experience, to guys that don't. And you'll find out that, hey, look, just because you see it this way, they don't see it as well. And we can't we can't assume that they know that. So we we get heavy when we started a blue card about 360s. And then we found we realized later that, oh, no, we taught him to do a 360. But but that poor guy is running like NASCAR. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think it's important and he doesn't realize that, hey, look, I need to find a back door versus he's like, man, I want to get around the front so I can get back in the house. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah, it's 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 trying to adapt to that and trying to to understand that everybody's different and they're going to learn different and then they're going to see things different. I love the idea of the pictures. That's a really good idea to hold it up for so, so long, you know, and then get them in that habit. That is a great muscle memory thing. I like I'm stealing it and not giving you any credit. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I you know, <laughs> put names on things for a reason. The, uh, the, the picture thing actually came of a, a screw up I had. So I made a fire um, where I pulled up and I looked at the house and this house had fire coming out of the roof, uh, fire coming out of front windows, bad. And when the fire had come out the front window, it lit the leaves on fire in the yard. And I picked up the radio and I'm running through my size up and my brain, when I saw the leaves, I said, Oh, that's my brain said that's a small fire in the yard. And I went and we have a small fire. Oh, shit. No, the house is on fire. Screw the whole thing up. So, so now when I teach it to people, I'm like, look, look at it and then look down and run through it. Because if you're looking at things, your brain is is understanting this and figuring this out and going on. OK, OK, OK. We're getting more information in and you're not going to the amount of time it takes to get your size up out is too long. So if you're getting new information in, it's going to it's going to throw you way the hell off. So, and I used to think, I saw this somewhere, that it was a fire truck that on the radio mic, it said what apparatus it was. And I'm thinking, how dumb can you be that you don't even know what truck you're on? And then now we have a reserve pumper. And that reserve pumper is a little bit different. And, and yeah. we've had guys go, oh, shit, I'm on overtime or whatever. And he says the wrong number. Well, hey, this is just a little reminder. Just like pump panel charts and numbers and all those things, just a little reminder. So when your brain's working too hard, oh, yep. yeah. yeah, simple. That That's the thing that I've been diving into lately is <clears throat> uh, how the brain is affected by what we see and do. 
uh, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. And I saw a, uh, it was like a, a report that first in engines are supposed to give and it's on a, p- a plaque in their car or in their, in their driver's operator officer seat. Golly, I'm an idiot. I told you, don't get this old, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I'm this super handsome and funny, but I'm losing my brain. You lose something, you gain something, right? But I like it because the more I'm learning about how our brain works, that that's one of those things that can bring you out of that. I don't want to, I hate to say panic, but when you go from the prefrontal cortex to your amygdala and stuff, it helps you. It keeps you zoned in. I've got a battalion chief that during trainings and stuff, he'll tell his crew, uh, we just did a bunch of live fire training. And he he would say when he debriefed, he's like, all right, paint me a picture. I'm not there yet. So on the radio, paint me a picture. I want to be able, when I pull up, I already, I see exactly what you painted. Not, holy shit. He said it was a one story. It's a three story, you know, um, walk out versus, you know. So it's, I like that idea. I think it's, it's one of those things that, that sets the tone, right? First, first person there sets the tone for the entire, where they park, what they say and what they do. And then we all got to play catch up to that. Right. Right. And if, and then we, we're trying to push, uh, you know, prearranged assignments and, and even down to the tools and whatnot. Our, my lieutenants all got together um, and they decided what each guy in the truck was going to carry for these by about five runs. So a house on fire, first in, not first in, so on and so forth, uh, car wrecks and whatnot. And then just that little bit of thing, um, a year later, now we even know that, like, hey, when we drop a run, we drop a fire, that guy sitting behind the officer, he's bringing this tool every time. And now we know that one, the tool gets to the fire and two, there's no question about what am I going to carry? What am I going to do or whatnot? And it, it helps a little bit of that brain thing working mm-hmm. and then having to run this, you know, a thousand times to get it built in there. Um, something I'm trying to get to be able to do is if I teach you something, if you don't know anything about it and I teach you how to do it and then later I have to change it, how many times do I have to teach it to you to change it? Mm-hmm. to get your brain out of that. So it's the old dog, new trick thing. How, how many times I got to remove the thing? And mm-hmm. I know this from where our, our radio is amazing. It's great. But my radio is the fourth ideation I've had in 20 years. So I can still look at that. They, the first 16 channels I had 20 years ago. And now I'm like, okay, hold on. I can do this again. So again, <laughs> little papers and little things help a lot to get that brain working right. Oh, I tell you what. And then like I've mentioned, as you get older, it don't start working so good, right? And I'm from Kentucky, so we, we're basically born with half a brain. So it's just, it's not good, brother. It's not good. Here we it just was, bowl it out, so. <laughs> Man, I, I hate to, I really hate to cut you off. I got to roll into another Houston area firefighter because yeah. there's something in the damn water down there. Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being on. I love talking to you. I do. I really, truly do. You're a class act, first class firefighter, brother. You, your name comes out of my mouth quite a bit around oh, here. Uh, good way, in good ways. But before we go, tell, tell the listeners how they can get, uh, where, what website where they learn about your classes and they can buy some great swag because you got some excellent swag. Yeah, we finally got a new order in today of hats. So, uh, so if you go to trainerdietx, so trainerdietexas.com, um, you can contact us there. My email's on there. Uh, I've had the same email since email was invented. Uh, and there's you can read some good little stories about the four instructors. There's some good bios. I love that part. I love that part. <laughs> yeah. I remember our first our first podcast. Yeah. You said, man, you actually asked me about my, my website. I'm like, yeah, it's a really <laughs> funny website, man. 
Yeah, we, we sell some stuff there. All the all the money goes to be able to put diesel in the truck so we can get to a class. So, yeah. Uh, you're you're going to be great with Jacob. He's going to be much more eloquent than me because he's got that white shirt and that brass. So Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I get look. I'm already sporting the Paralyn for him, make him feel right at home. You Texas boys, I tell you what, brother. Thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Uh, don't be surprised if I hit you up again because talking has got a thousand more questions in my head. Uh, but seriously, you you you're you're a big inspiration. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do for us. Uh, thanks for y'all. I mean, without without y'all, I'd be, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that just thinks of some stupid shit. Somebody likes it. So <laughs> don't be an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> Brother, take take care and be safe. Our podcast today was sponsored by Fire Facilities. This Made in America company is dedicated to constructing top quality custom training structures to meet your needs. Make your training count with all steel structures that are made to last. Visit firefacilities.com for more details.